Welcome to another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne. And this is episode 83. In this episode, Pat chats to Jim Ferguson, a writer, performance poet, creative writing tutor and founding member of Cheeky Vism Productions. His new poetry collection, Poor World, will be launched at the Carrollton Bar, Glasgow, on 28th of March, 2020. As usual, not hang around, we'll just go right over there to the living room where Pat is chatting with Jim. But before we go there, I just want to ask after your health. I hope you're keeping well. I hope you're washing your hands. And I hope the virus does not get to you, your friends or your family. Okay, let's have a wee wee listen to Pat chatting with Jim Ferguson. Hi, so today Jim Ferguson has come up in the pouring rain to... Your podcast with me, so thanks for coming along, Jim. You're welcome, Pat. So, um, I've met Jim a few times at many literary events in Glasgow, he's a very, very a well kent base, <laughs> absolutely. No, um, so a poet and essays reviewer, creative writing tutor, writer, a whole lot of strings to your bow. Um, I well, I, I like to try and write in, I suppose, as many different forms as possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not very good at plays. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy my poetry and I enjoy my mm-hmm. prose writing, my fiction, and I, I quite enjoy a bit of, doing a bit of literary criticism as well. Mm-hmm. So, the three areas are my main right. areas of operation, mm-hmm. and I, I also I love performing, obviously. Well, yeah, I've seen I you performing so often in your stripe top. And my, my Alex Harvey stripe uh-huh. t-shirt. Oh, that's your that is it's nice to have an image. So no, I think I first saw you down at St Louis Cafe, St Louis down in Partick. Well, right, aye, aye, mm-hmm. that's a while ago. A, a long time ago, and. Um, no, really enjoyed it, and then I keep up to date on your Facebook page because quite often you'll put up a wee poem up I, there. I, I quite often mm-hmm. put up a wee poem mm-hmm. on Facebook. Uh-huh. It'd be a good idea if you put the wee recordings up. I, I've not really figured out the technology uh, for that. Uh-huh. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm still, still uh, a kind of. Uh, uh, I'm in the age of the Luddites, really, uh, um, when it comes to Well, I've always got um, Jim to consult about everything, so um, I'm one of the lucky ones. So, anyway, Jim, I was I was wanting to talk to you about, you know, a number of those, those areas, because I was looking at your website, I've been reading different things, and actually... See this wee novella? Aye. Um, it's, it's yours, Neither Oil Nor Water. Uh-huh. I started reading that. I've not finished it because I'm waiting on new new specs. I've, I'm reading near everything in the Kindle because I can't see. But right. I, I just right away... Very, very yachty Well, I'm, I'm, well I've, <laughs> I've read the back. Right. <laughs> and I've, I've dipped into it a bit. I've actually read the bit at the back. But from the beginning... I just, I just think it's very, very impressive because, in in your your it's this old man that's, uh, and you just, the character just uh, jumps off the page, and also I loved some of the images. The particular thing I absolutely loved was, well, he's an old man, but you're talking about the kind of memory, and I loved the idea of the, um, the beautiful memory of the crunch of an oat cake with the olives and cheese between his one strong teeth. Aye. Well, that's the thing, Pat. Once your, once your teeth start to fall out, <laughs> <laughs> you lose the joy of eating a oat No, cake. but just that, I just think that's absolutely gorgeous writing. I really do. Thanks very much. I just think it's a, like, a, like a lovely image. It's, it's sad. You know, the memory's sad, but it's such a lovely image. It made me want to go and get some oat cakes and cheese and all those. <laughs> but no, so... I'm, this is all. I've got a wee pile of books. 
this is one and of the ones at the stands, top. And it starts mm -hmm. off in the kind of present, mm -hmm. and you just see this old man actually sitting in an old people's home looking out at the trees on a rainy day, and it's, it's more or less, what, say, 2014 or whatever. Uh, and, but as soon as you turn the page from that, it jumps right back to his youth, to his child, or his, mm -hmm. uh, to his 16, and just leaving school mm -hmm. and living in Mary Hill. Mm -hmm. And he, he gets a job as a bricklayer, mm -hmm. but he only lasts a half a day as a bricklayer because he can't stand it. And it's, 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 it's when he's 16, it's 1947, so he decides that he'll join the British Army because he mm -hmm. thinks there's no chance he'll ever get sent to a war. But he ends up getting sent to Palestine yeah, yeah. because mm -hmm. he joins the Highland Light Infantry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where mm -hmm. they get sent. Mm -hmm. As Scots get sent. No, I was, uh, I, so just well, I'm sure that's not an, an unusual tale for a whole lot of young folk, even now, but it, particularly at that time. But no, I thought it was, um, you know, interesting to talk about Palestine and Israel and like look at it as twin tragedies. Aye, that, well, that kind of that's, idea. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, it's a kind of. Uh, I tried to kind of, sort of break down as many boundaries as I could, you know, so I end up having a Scottish soldier from Mary Hill who marries a Palestinian woman from Jerusalem. So that was, that was quite, a, quite a, sort of good idea to present that in a work of fiction set in the 1940s. No. So I quite enjoyed writing that. Well, don't tell me any more about that book. There's, there's a lot of quite, uh, I won't tell you how it ends. <laughs> Uh, well, I've just gave away the end. <laughs> but anyway, there's quite a lot of fun bits in it and so forth. There's quite a lot of, quite a no, lot of in, interesting adventures uh, in Jerusalem and so forth. There's a bit of a couple of kind of warish bits in it as well, which couldn't be avoided, obviously, with the nature of the topic. Uh, well, you've got, you seem to have a, you know, a sort of desire to. Well, this is what I think anyway, to, to kind of make things entertaining, but also not shy away from, like, you know, difficult topics and topics of injustice and class and poverty. Aye. You know, so you, you kind of seem to have Aye. done a pretty good job marrying the two. I mean, my main concern, I suppose, in all my writing has always been a kind of humanism and the idea of human equality, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I've tried to achieve mm -hmm. or illustrate as yeah. you know every yeah, every person is fundamentally a human being even Boris Trump <laughs> I mean Johnson I mean <laughs> who, who, who's Boris Trump oh my god <laughs> I mean, Donald Trump I Boris Johnson I no I was just <laughs> um, listening to um, Trump this morning now is tweeting about how the pa um, parasite shouldn't have won the Oscar because it's a foreign film. Oh, right. Oh. I thought, oh, for goodness sake, you know, what is it? The, what? Aye. You can't believe these Egypts are anywhere. You couldn't make, you you know? make it up. It oh, makes, my God. Trump almost makes satire redundant, you know. I know. It's just bizarre. I know. Oh, dear, dear. It's, it's, un, it's un, unbelievable. So so we've got to escape. We've got to, we've got to find a way to escape and all that. And I think this is a, a literary... Um, is that a world in Glasgow? It's really it looks pretty pretty, take, taken off pretty aye, well. Aye, it's really, mm -hmm. things are really vibrant now, mm -hmm. you know, I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I suppose it probably goes back to the 70s and so forth, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Jimmy Kelman and Tom Leonard and all oh, that. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. It really gave a big I know. boost to all well, that. that was, thing, uh, you know? How lucky could you be to have those people... Uh, I mean, obviously, not no just the three, but no. you know, lots of other people uh -huh. as well. You know, uh, Carl McDougall, Liz Lockhead, the the Gaelic poet Katrina Montgomery, Angus McNichol, you know, mm. uh, both Gaelic poets. I've seen just that Angus um, McNichol spells it like the I, Gaelic way. I saw him. Um, there used to be quite a pretty good event, literary lunch times, down in. Um, the Merchant City. Right. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the Babity Bowsters, no? No, 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 the restaurant down 
then they're like so well known. I don't know how it's going out of my head. Um, but um, the, he he the the they went behind the bar. It was like actually in the bar, and they stood right. behind the bar, and he was there one day, and and Tom Leonard also performed there. It was really really. It was a smashing idea. It was just the the um, the hour. Just that right. last hour. It was really good. It was. Um, a few years back, but it was a good event. But the events you've got with the Cheeky Bism Productions in the East End, that's quite a, a new venture, quite a, a new idea, isn't it? Aye, well, we've been going for about a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, started last January in the Calton Bar, mm-hmm. fourth Tuesday of every month. We have a sort of featured artist or person, as it were. Next Tuesday or Tuesday, whatever it is, the 25th of February. don't know if this will be broadcast by that time, but Tuesday, 25th of February, we've got a fellow coming to talk about Benny Lynch, which right. should be quite interesting. We've had a lot of interest, and we have people talking about their kind of creative process or doing their reading or a wee bit of a kind of academic thing. We had a guy that knew all about the origins of street names of the city of Glasgow. Oh, and it was really, really kind of fascinating talks and so mm-hmm. forth. And then we just opened the floor up for a free-for-all, for mm-hmm. a kind mm-hmm. of open mic for poetry or prose, whatever mm-hmm. they wants to do, just mm-hmm. uh, say uh-huh. a sort of free space uh-huh. where people can say their piece mm-hmm. and usually a bit of music as mm-hmm. well. And so it, it starts at 7 o'clock and it runs to about 10.30. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's busier than others, but it's always always been pretty well attended. It's a good, I mean, I've been (coughs) a few times, it's very, very enjoyable, it's a great atmosphere. I've been really quite uh, pleased with how it's all went, but I I mean, for me, to AMC, sometimes you've got like maybe, I don't know, 15 performers Mm -hmm. to fit into the shorts to period, and I tend to get a bit stressed. <laughs> oh my God, how are we going to fit everybody I know, Because you don't want them to go away disappointed, thinking, well, I went I there to read my poems and I didn't get a chance to I read know. them. You and know. then some people have got to leave early, I suppose, well, as well, to I go just, home. Well, you've got public transport and mm-hmm. so forth. Which... No, people should really, um, you know, try and get along a bit performers and... People and people just want to come and be in the audience and listen. And it's good to have see something like that happening in the East End. I mean, because there's lots of stuff in the city centre and the West End, but Aye. but it's it's good to have it in the Carlton. But it's a nice venue. It is, it's mm-hmm. very friendly and. And you can get parked. Uh, well, you can. There's plenty of parking space <laughs> if you drive. It's not that far out, really. No, it's know. no. It's only mm-hmm. about. Well, ten minutes walk for the Barrowland mm-hmm. heading east. No, I've, no, I've always enjoyed it. I, I mean, the, the first time um, I went, it was pretty quiet. Last time I went, it was really, really busy. No, I, um, I, that was, I think it was a kind of Mexican theme. And you've got, there's something, oh, aye, aye. There's something coming up. But Portuguese. It's the Portuguese. Fernando Pessoa. And it's um, James Hogg. Oh, aye, that's the Justified the, Sinners. That's for the I Write Festival. That'll be on the 18th of March uh, in the Mitchell Library. Mm-hmm. So people can come and... Uh, uh, it's named after James Hogg's Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner. And it'll be... James Hogg was born in 1770, so I think it's his 250th anniversary mm-hmm. uh, of James Hogg mm-hmm. being born. And... But uh, I... Uh, James Hogg's novel, uh, The Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner, mm-hmm. as written by himself. He's <laughs> got an immensely long title. It's uh, great. That, 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 that was published in 1824, uh, aye, but it's mm-hmm. fantastic because it goes into mm-hmm. uh, sort of 17th century Scots and so forth. It's a really, mm-hmm. really, and mm-hmm. it's got the whole thing with, what is it, like a double? And so forth, you know, a, a dog gang or whatever, and haunt, and, and it's dead gothic, and it's got murder in it, and mayhem, and all sorts. So it's really, uh, it's a great novel. But what we want people to do is come along to uh, the Mitchell Library for a kind of open mic and do a sort of monologue, confessional type of piece on that theme. But it's, it's, it's strictly speaking, it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, people can really do what they like. So. But that's a good starting uh, point for people. I mean, it, it, it can be a fictional confession. Aye, exactly. Aye. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's the whole point of a Hogg's novel, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, is mm -hmm. how much mm -hmm. can you trust documents that you... Because the editor of the Memoirs and Confessions of Justified Sinner finds a manuscript that's inside the grave of somebody that's committed suicide, and that's what he presents as the Memoirs and Confessions right, of Justified right. So anyway, quite a it's a kind of complicated mm -hmm. story, but it's, it's, a, it's a good yeah. story. I mean, obviously Andre Geed, strangely enough, made it popular in 1956 mm -hmm. when he read mm -hmm. it and uh, gave it some sort of rave review in a, a French literary magazine. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't popular in Scotland mm -hmm. until post-World War II, really. Mm -hmm. Which is typical of mm -hmm. Scottish culture, when we've got mm -hmm. so many beautiful things that we do not value. <laughs> well, that's true. But um, well, when, I was, I, when I was reading... I mean, I, I, I've got to admit, I had never heard of James Hogg, but um, he certainly smart, sparked my interest. And I love that, I just love that idea, the, the justified sinner. Aye. It's, it's got a great ring to it. But when I was looking on your website, I, one of the things that interested me, I was looking at some of the wee essays and the different things, and well, thought there's some very big essays and quite in-depth and academic. But I liked um, as well when you spoke about what I think about libraries and what I think about books. Aye. And you mentioned Aye. James Hogg. There. Did I? Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I don't actually did. remember that. Yeah, 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 you did. Well, the, um, well, I thought it was great what you wrote about the libraries, how kind of, just how important they are. Aye, well, that's where I discovered and, Shelley, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the Barhead Library. Mm -hmm. And that was a great eye-opener to me, because, I mean, my main experience of poetry was Burns, obviously. That, that, that was as far, mm -hmm. about as far mm -hmm. as it went, but... Mm -hmm. I somehow mm -hmm. found uh, selected works of Percy Bysshe Shelley. Mm -hmm. what I liked and what age myself. were you then? I don't know, maybe th 13 or 14, mm -hmm. 12. 13. So did you tell your pals? No. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, because I, I, I read this, the, the bit of Shelley's big poem about the Peter Lou Massacre, mm -hmm. uh, The Mask of Anarchy, which mm -hmm. I did, it was just like, like a real knockout thing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I can still remember lines from that. Uh, <laughs> For one by one and two by two, he tossed them human hearts to chew. <laughs> oh, well. and, and I saw death along the way, it was the ghost of Castlebury, because mm -hmm. Castlebury was the Home Secretary who committed suicide after mm -hmm. the Peterloo Massacre, mm -hmm. which uh, maybe some of present-day politicians could take a lesson from him. No, <laughs> absolutely not. After they make tough decisions, they no. <laughs> learn by poetry. Well, we uh -huh. can, yeah. We can. Mm. We can advocate that people kill themselves. <laughs> no, but um, so, so you got into writing poetry quite young, Jim. I, I pretty much sure uh, about the same time. Just, I suppose, between leaving primary school and starting secondary mm -hmm. school, I would say mm -hmm. is when I really kind of uh -huh. started. And and what about uh, what about school? Did you get encouragement in that? Did the teachers I know? Much. That? I, was, I was a bit hopeless at school. Uh, basically, said uh, what was it they always said? Lacks attention or something like that. Uh, easily distracted. I, I, a dreamer. <laughs> I basically I was always easily distracted. I mean, I spent most of primary school I spent looking out the window. Uh, <laughs> and the, you know, obviously there would be stuff going on in the class, and then the teacher would somehow you would be woken up out of your dream state and the teacher would say, right, what's the other? And you would, I would just wouldn't even know where I was and I would go, what, miss? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, that would be the point mm -hmm. where you get pulled out for the belt, of course. <laughs> so, so what age were you when you left school? Uh, well, I left school when I was, was I 16, 17? Uh, about 16. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I got a bit better at school, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did fifth year, uh, I did some hires and that. Mm -hmm. I went straight into Paisley Tech and mm -hmm. did a degree in chemistry, which well, took me, I was about 21. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I had four years at Paisley Tech, but three of them studying chemistry and had one year as president of the Students' Union mm -hmm. there, right. uh, which well, was a, kind of a, a political kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But science students were only supposed to do politics, you know, they were supposed to leave that to the social <laughs> scientists. But, uh, as a kind of anomaly, everywhere, every, everywhere I've gone, I've always mm -hmm. been a kind mm -hmm. of an anomaly. Mm -hmm. And then you went on to do your PhD? Well, that was a lot later, I, mm -hmm. uh, but I did a 
my PhD at Glasgow Uni owned the Paisley Poet Robert Tannehill, the Paisley mm -hmm. Poet and Songwriter. Mm -hmm. in, in fact, James Hogg went to Paisley in 1810 to meet Robert Tannehill. Right. Uh, it was a an interesting meeting, we're going back to suicide now, because Tannehill committed suicide maybe a couple of, three, two or three months after they had met Hogg. So, uh, all very bizarre. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's, it's all Paisley and Tannehill and that, it's all kind of coming into its own now, though, well, isn't it, with, the, with Brian Whittingham in the marker and, and now the, festival, the, the, the Paisley festival, festival aye. which you're, you've got, um, you're going to be... I'm going to be there on Monday. On Monday, aye. we're going along to that. Something to do with rebels. Right. <laughs> Jenny, um, oh, Jenny's yeah, well. Jenny's well. Jenny's well. Uh -huh. yes. So that's um, Tracy Patrick. Tracy Patrick uh -huh. and Fiona Lindsay right. that done that. Uh -huh. uh, who in fact published. Their, yeah, I noticed that because before they were there, yeah, I, I never know how. To, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say she never know how to pronounce this. So they've changed the I to Jenny's well. It's easier to say. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. It certainly <laughs> is. Um, I had um, Tracy over a while ago well, on the nice, podcast. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. She's um, I really admire um, Tracy uh, an awful lot. She's a fantastic reader. Her book's got a beautiful she, voice. Which yeah, she reads a lot. when when we when I, I did the um, lit at Glasgow, we had to put on an event. And um, Tracy came to it. wasn't I didn't know of it at that time. It was James Carson, um, one of the people that was arranging it with, that invited her along. Right. But she was she was terrific. But I, I got her um, I got her book. I read I read the uh, um, the blushing is um, for sinners. Blushing is for sinners. And um, honestly, um, I didn't think at first I would have been attracted to that that the. the the book and the title and the kind of idea around it, but my God, it was in the research that was totally immense. But fabulous characters. Aye. But I think, and and she's got something I think in common with you, Tracy, because I think she puts so much back into things because she works a lot with um, like you're working with the Easter House Writers Group, and I know you absolutely love that. I do, yeah. And I know that Tracy works with the recovery groups and writing and everything. She just is so enthusiastic about that. But you you did a, um, an anthology with the the Easter House Easter writers. House aye, aye. Writers sure to be group. broad. It's called. Uh -huh. uh, aye, aye. Well, that was that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. But we're hoping to do yeah. another anthology later this year for the Easter House Writers Group. Mm -hmm. um, we're kind of working on that, the new. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a great group. It meets every Monday evening in John Wheatley College in Easter House. No, it's not mm -hmm. called John Wheatley anymore. It's was called it Glasgow Kelvin. Glasgow Kelvin. Right. So, so, and where is, where is that? Where is That's that? in Westerhouse Road. It's near the sort of the, the shopping centre, the old shopping centre. In uh, and next to the bridge, aye. There's uh, a swimming pool and a theatre. I mean, that. I've put up quite a lot of events on the website going on at the bridge. Uh, but I didn't, and it no, didn't really know what no, it was. the college is attached to the mm -hmm. bridge. Mm -hmm. and they've got the, you know, the libraries in the bridge and the swimming pool and the theatre. Mm -hmm. And then the Glasgow Kelvin College is attached on. Mm -hmm. Basically, mm -hmm. physically attached. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now I noticed when you wrote about it and you said that you were the tutor, that you had the word tutor in inverted aye, commas. Aye, well, because so, I, I think I learn more from, I tend to think I learn more from the folk that come to the group than they actually learn from me. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you get such, there's such a variety of people that come to the group of mm -hmm. ages and backgrounds and so forth. Uh, and different, so many varied styles of writing. It's just a great joy to uh, spend an evening with all these people that come and share their poetry and their stories and their jokes, of course. Mm -hmm. They like to have quite a lot of cups of tea and have a bit of patter and so forth. Uh, so it's good fun, apart from anything else. I mean, I get, one of my students said to me, one of my students, I mean, he's 72, but uh, he said to me the other night, I mean, the main thing about coming here, Jim, is it's like a night out. You know, it's not like, it's not like a class, it's like a night out. So I quite like that. Well, that's a compliment, isn't it? Because people, at the same time as it is like a night out, but people are actually learning while we go, while we mm -hmm. enjoy ourselves and have mm -hmm. chin waggery and everything. 
mm-hmm. and I mean, I've seen people that were who just have seen their writing improve and develop mm-hmm. and blossom and all that, mm-hmm. and it really is a great feeling. It's a, a really beautiful thing. Yeah, you were you were you talk about that about how um, you know people when they start to write is something completely different for them. There's a it's a great sort of freedom and you know just a opening different. Aye, well, I mean, I think it opens all sorts of different ways of looking at the world and, and especially if you go to a writer's group, you see so different styles and you get different opinions and, I mean, everybody's got their own way of working and all that, but you see how different people work and you can pick and choose what things suit you and so mm-hmm. forth and if you want to take your writing further then you've got a basis, you know, to work on, you're not just kind of floundering about in the, in the dark, as it were. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's that's great. So when when will the um, next anthology be out? Well, I'm hoping that we'll have it ready for you know summertime. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the term finishes about end of June, beginning of July or something like yeah. that. Before when we stop for summer holidays, I'm hoping to have it ready. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have it printed. And then we have a sort of launch time. event for it. Aye, or hopefully, aye, aye. Well, yeah. I'll watch out yeah. for that. I absolutely loved. Um, do you remember when the, the Homeless World Cup was on Aye. and Louise Welsh and Zoe Strachan worked with a lot of the homeless people right. and they put together an anthology uh-huh. and I, I went along to that event. I can't remember if it was actually in I Write but I know it was in the Mitchell right. and they performed their work, all different um, you know, people, different ages and so on and that was so... That was a, that was very very enjoyable. I, I imagine it's um, something they would get something and same out of it as what you you, uh, you you know. Although that I mean, I went mostly went to the George Square and watched the actual football. I went there too. <laughs> it was I loved good, it. You know, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> that was I really loved enjoyable. it. Um, I, well, I went to um, see the women's matches. Um, some of them were absolutely. Fabulous! I love I love the women's football, um, but it was great the way they had it set up. Aye, the it whole was, thing it, was dead impressive. It was. A, I really I thought it was a really good thing, and it was accessible, mm-hmm. and it was enjoyable. Aye, they they, they ran yeah. that really well. Yeah, no, no, that um, no, I was interested in your, you know, the creative writing and the work. So is that the is that the only group that you work with? And aye, yeah, the present aye. I mean, I've worked with other groups, I've worked to in... Right, I need to get this right, Loch Winnach. Mm-hmm. I always get mixed up with Loch Winnach and mm-hmm. Kilwinning. <laughs> They're on the same train line. Mm-hmm. Uh, aye, Loch Winnach, which is not too far from Johnston, near Paisley mm-hmm. Johnston. I know where Loch Winnach is because of the um, sanctuary there. Uh-huh. Aye, mm-hmm. so I worked to it there for a bit, with the Loch Winnach writers, but that was a while mm-hmm. ago now. But, and I did things in Govan and... Priest Hill, Pollock. Can't mm. really. So how do they? How does that start up? Do they contact you? I know you just. I, see, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know how. I don't, <laughs> I'm a very. I'm, I'm a kind of planless person. Uh-huh. You know, I just stumble so along a, and so whatever happens uh, happens. I try. And, I, I, I go if I, I go for week to week generally, but sometimes I find I have to go for a bit like month to month now. Uh, I, I've always been anti-planning for some reason, you know, I just like to live my life kind of organically and spontaneously. But um, having to do a lot more of this planning stuff, I think it's partly the fact that I'm now a bit over 55, maybe. That I, <laughs> I can't quite be just so spontaneous. <laughs> well, I need to plan stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed um, that you know when things are on, you know, and you're able to say that's a... Well, well, I used to try and keep, month, I used to try and keep really everything in my head, but I've got a wall planner mm-hmm. now on my wall, and I, I write stuff up. Mm-hmm. For, I could for never tell days. anybody when anything was on without actually sort of looking it up. I have occasionally know. missed a couple of events. Well, last year I, I was meant to go somewhere to read, and I hadn't written it on the planner <laughs> because I was, you know, pretty good. And I was like, there's no way I'm forgetting that, but I forgot, you know. Oh. And, Somebody phoned me up about a ten o'clock at night. So where are you? Supposed to be reading. Yeah, how did you not come? Do you know where? I said, I'm absolutely fine. I just completely forgot. <laughs> and I hadn't written. I looked up in the wall at the calendar, and I was like, 
hadn't you written it on my wall calendar? Oh, for God's sake. I didn't know. But normally I would have remembered. But anyway, so I've started to keep a wall calendar. Well, you've, yeah, you've, you've got so much on and so much... I mean, you've got a lot coming up and you've also got your your new um, poetry collection. Aye, I've got a so that'll be the poor, poor World. Aye. So do you want to um, tell yeah. tell me a bit about, about that, Jim, and how um, that came, came about? Well, it's a series of about 50 quite short poems. They're all written in phonetic Glaswegian. Right. Quite a lot. Of, uh, some of them are really quite bleak and sparse and all that. Uh, kind of short lines, mostly non-rhyming, maybe about three that rhyme in it. And it's just... It's just... Uh, I, well, it's, it's concerned, I suppose, with what would be deemed life in the margins or whatever you want to call it but it really is concerned with uh, poverty that, that's the, the, the central theme in it is mm-hmm. really it's a kind of protest against poverty and there's a one of my central ideas in it is just because people are economically poor it doesn't mean that they're culturally poor exactly because uh, mm-hmm. I mean you can you know and I mean, there's people that are obviously very rich that are culturally very, very poor, and Mr. Trump being a prime example of that, mm-hmm. you know. So he's getting an excellent press with us today. Uh, you know, it's, uh, some of these things are a matter of personal choice and education, and luckily, at least so far in the 20th century, and for, you know, the past few hundred years, we've had quite a good education system in Scotland, mm-hmm. which uh, is quite egalitarian, you know, mm-hmm. and generalist. Mm-hmm. So people get a, quite a good general education uh, in this country. But no seen, well, to what extent are you seen as just being educated so that you can be factory fodder or whatever, or do you want to be a whole human being? You know. Uh, so anyway, so these are the sort of questions mm-hmm. that I actually, so the, <laughs> I actually, so the poor, actually uh, deal with. So the poor know. world, the title. Aye, well that was a kind of environmental thing and also to do with austerity, the quality of austerity. And I, I linked somehow linked the the two the two ideas into that one wee poem. Uh, it was just just a, a wee short one. Okay. So, uh, are you going to um, read a few of them, Jim? I thought I would read some. I uh, just a, a wee selection, but they'll not. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I'll maybe read what, three or, or as many see, as you like. See how it goes. Um, this one's called The Present. There once was a Glaswegian existentialist. No once. Still is. The present and onward and all that. But no really. No really onward. Just the present. And the Glaswegian was an optimist. That's the difference between Glaswegian existentialism and other mere doer varieties. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. you know about the doer varieties. <laughs> well, I was reading a fair bit of Albert Camus lately and I... He's not as funny as me. <laughs> <laughs> a far better writer, of course. Uh, so I'll just I'll move on to this one. It's called the uh, Growing Pains, and it's, uh, so it, it actually deals with a wee bit of part of the theme that comes up in James Falk's Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner, which is predestination. <laughs> but it's called Growing Pains. On the phone to my ma, like a big wane arm now, drunk and greeting and no growing up, needing something, no knowing what, that's what I was thinking, maybe once the work's all done, if ever it's started, I'll grow up, be a man, be a Scottish man, stone on my own two feet, Presbyterian, proud, but no, no me, I don't like that predestination, theology of the elect nonsense, with eyes of needles and redundant camels and self-made men, undertaking the arrogant task of civilising the civilised with Christian kindness and economic brutality. I don't want to grow like that. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'll just... Uh, I wrote one about Charles Bukowski, which was very short, but I enjoy Bukowski's writing, I really... Uh, it's quite a good writer, but... I mean, a lot of people criticise him for being very sexist, which he possibly is. 
Uh, it's difficult to tell whether he's just of his time, you know. But, I know, uh, this is the thing, isn't uh, it? But anyway, I wrote, so I wrote this quite a while back when Charles Bukowski died. It's called Chuck Bukowski. All Chuck Bukowski de- all Chuck Bukowski's deed. Stained cold, gone, finished, through, the whole thing done. Nay wine, nay woman, nay sexist novels, nay poems, nay horses, nay nothing. All bets are off, Chuck. <laughs> well, I don't think um, it'll be celebrated too much in the Glasgow vernacular gym, you know, <laughs> right? So, but that's terrific. They're great. Need another, need another couple. All right. Uh, see, what, just see what I can find here. It's very expressive. The um, the, the Glasgow slang. Oh, uh, uh, anyway, another. I'm, I'm right. Uh, I'm really kind of. Sorry, we got you. Excuse me. This is called homespun. It's a great blessing that you don't know what the future holds, because you can I hope it doesn't matter what, but you can I hope that maybe something good will happen again, something that makes it all worthwhile. Just like Jesus being nailed to the cross was good for him. <laughs> it's a great blessing, right enough. <laughs> My God. I d- uh, just own these kind of a sequence of poems. Uh, I mean, aesthetically and in terms of style, I mean, I, I really did kind of steal, steal it off Tom Leonard, you know. Uh, although I wouldn't say I stole it off him, but it just kind of the whole idea of writing in sort of phonetic Glaswegian really is Tom's thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember that, what is it, the, is it the area coordinator? Or the liaison coordinator. Well, that's all written in English. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, that's area nice. Somebody mm-hmm. where a degree in fuck knows uh-huh. what, getting paid for knowing what the fuck they uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, that, the, the, that was the first thing I heard, I heard of his, I heard him perform at the, the, the STUC. Oh, aye. But it's got aye. that same kind of cadence, hasn't aye, it? Aye, aye, perhaps, aye, aye. But it's sort of day with the sound of your voice, you know. I mean, Tom was brought up in Pollock and I was brought up in Barhead, which is mm-hmm. pretty, pretty close places. And soon enough, my mother and my grandfather and I came from Govan Hill and uh, Tom's parents lived in Govan Hill for a while when they first mm-hmm. moved to Glasgow as well. So we have quite a similar, quite a similar kind of yeah, background mm-hmm. uh, when I, I first met Tom in the mid-1980s and it was kind of weird when we were talking to each other, you know, because I mentioned something like that. I mentioned the Levern Burnt here, and he says, oh, I used to go for a walk down there and <laughs> that, you know, it was, it was all very, that's it was a, really um, kind of nice. I know, that, that's um, such a connection, isn't lovely. it? Lovely, just some of these things get to happen on occasion, you know. Uh, I'll say, oh, I agree. Because this is another wee nod to Tom, in fact, I dedicated this whole book to, to, to Tom. Oh, that's, that's nice. So, uh, but this is called Haircuts, and it, it mentions the poet James Thompson in it, who uh, Tom Leonard has written a biography called Places of the Mind, uh, which, which is about James Thompson BV, you know the other James Thompson, who I think wrote the national uh, English National Anthem, but he's just know. Austin, <coughs> and, uh, I don't so know. something like that, anyway, there's another James Thompson, and He's more, he's a bit early, you know, 1800-ish, but to, the James Thompson BV is probably a wee bit later uh, in the 19th century. Did most, maybe most of his writing in the 1850s or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's, it's called Haircuts and it's about looking at photographs of poets, because I was looking at a photograph of Mayakovsky the photograph of James Thompson, they're basically the exact same pose. Oh, for goodness and sake. I, I thought that was really odd, one being a Russian, you know, alive during the time of the Russian Revolution, mm-hmm. one being a, a, a Scotsman born in Greenock who ended up living in London. But they were posing to get their photograph uh, taken? Just, mm-hmm. it must have been... This is the way you do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, you... <laughs> so the thing that they sort of look... They got their... their look, got, look into the middle distance. They got their good sides. But uh, I quite enjoyed that, so it's just a, it's actually one of my cheerier poems in this uh, sequence. Uh, Haircuts. 
Kinda funny, Mayakovsky's eyes, looking troubled and strange, staring into the middle distance, just like James Thompson, staring into the middle distance. The romance was a poem about poets' eyes staring into the middle distance. Who knows why they stared like that? It might not be that important. <laughs> just the way folk look when they're maybe no keen to have their photo team. It's odd, but that staring looks strange and kind of gentle, really. Aye, gentle, I think. Maybe it's no too clever to read too much into these two photos, except to say that Mayakovsky and James Thompson had very fine haircuts. Uh, <laughs> that is comical. But they're all, um, you know, even when they're, they're sad, there's, there's still, still some humour in them. Aye, aye, I mean, obviously, I cannot always try to believe in the concept of hope and sort of optimism in that, uh, in spite of the serious drawbacks of the human condition uh-huh. and the state of uh-huh. humanity. Uh, I, I always try to think, well, you know, I like, I look, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full kind of chap. Uh-huh. Uh, so how long did it take you to um, get it all together, Jim? Oh, I mean, I wrote these poems in quite a short... Well, maybe no. Uh, I will just be bits and bobs. Uh, originally there was 56 of them, but I said, how did you do it? Five or six. So how many are there now? I didn't like them, but I think there's maybe 49 now. Mm-hmm. 49 oh, or 50. Well, I mean, uh, they, are, they are short, but it's a good, good size collection. But you have to, well, sometimes you just think, oh, that's a really shy poem, you know, and you've got to own up that you've written <laughs> a, a poem. Although, mm. it was only me that thought it was shy. <laughs> yeah, I never, I didn't consult him there. Like, Do you think that's shy? You know? yeah. just, so, uh, they, they wouldn't like to agree with you. Well, uh, uh, no, it's, it's, I think it's. I think it will be smashing. So um, there's going to be the launch party for it. Aye, so we're, that's on the twentieth of March. Twentieth of March, which is a Saturday night. Boom, mm-hmm. boom. We're getting a pub on a Saturday night to have a poetry event, which is a really great thing. And that's in the Calton. And it's in the Calton Bar mm-hmm. in London Road, mm-hmm. uh, seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Books will be on sale. Ha ha. Uh-huh. And uh, well, I'm just hoping. Well, that'd be disappointing if they weren't. I'm just hoping to invite all my pals, and I've asked Ruby McCann and uh, Derek Brown to do kind of wee formal readings. So that'll be myself and Ruby and Derek doing kind of formal readings. Hopefully, we'll have a bit of music, mm-hmm. and if anybody wants to bring one of their own poems and read it out, that's mm-hmm. fine. Just have a basically a party and a pub. Uh-huh. That's what that's it'll be a, a book. And a bit of poetry. No, definitely, no, yeah. definitely be along. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So March is a very busy month for me. Uh, so I'm quite, and I'm looking forward to it. Just, yeah, yeah. Just need to hope I don't catch the flu again. <laughs> yeah, get gallons of vitamin C into you. Aye, aye. No, well, my goodness, yeah. I mean, you you couldn't be much busier anyway. That's for sure. I remember the name of the where that literary lounge was. It was in the Castle Gandolfo. Oh, the Cafe Gandolfi. Cafe Gandolfi. Aye, 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 aye. Yeah. I used so, to like yeah. having a cheese and wine in there. Mm-hmm. So that was that was quite nice. That um, that set up. I remember that Angus McNichol behind the aye. bar. It was it, it, it was great. It was Chris Agee that um, organised right. that? Did you know him? He's a He's a um, poet. He comes from San Francisco, but um, he works at Queen's University now. He does the the um, um, Irish pages. Right, it's Belfast. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh-huh. So, but that that was good. So you've got um, the Justified Sinners that's coming up in the high light, and you want people to submit. Well, I don't want to be, don't have to no, they just, don't, they don't just say uh, to you that they want to participate? Aye, aye. Okay. Pretty much an open mic. Right. Well, well that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. And do they get in touch with, do they email you? Aye, or, I think I, uh, email maybe Ruby McCann, but if you look on okay. Cheeky Bezum, uh-huh. Cheeky Bezums, uh-huh. on Facebook, it's uh-huh. spel
I've got I've got the feature up oh, on, right, my, okay. on my on my what's on books and talks. So I've got that up, and I've got the launch party up as well, and the Jenny as well. So people can see all of those things on the imports note, Pat's guide, what's Aye. on books and talk, talks. So is, was there anything else that you wanted to um, flag up, Jim? I can't see that. Uh, you couldn't fit anything else well, in. Obviously, I can't, <laughs> I can't think uh, uh, anything else. No, no. Uh, just re- really nice to talk. I was going to say, just Angus McNichol, really nice to hear him reading out in Gaelic, you know, it's really, really beautiful. Because, in fact, one of the first live poetry readings I ever did was with Sorley MacLean. Uh-huh. And uh, the the arrogance and ignorance of, ignorance of youth is so wonderful because... I just took it for granted that, you know, and I, I go and sit down and have a cup of tea and a roll with Sorley McLean and, and then, and, you know, and he gets up and reads his poems and I go and read mine. And mm-hmm. it, it just was, it was so friendly and he kind of just, he treated me absolutely as an equal and all that. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, do you prefer to read standing up or sitting down? <laughs> and I said, standing up. And he said, good, standing up is always better. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But I just took that as a kind of normal thing, but then I suddenly realised that it wasn't every day people got invited to read with Solomon McLean. You know? <laughs> it was a big compliment. So, so I had a very lucky kind of start to my poetic meandering. And where was that? That was actually in Renfrew, in Renfrew Unemployed Workers Centre, and it was a benefit for Shelter, the homelessness charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that was, a, I think, 1986. But aye, it was great. So it was just so great when I heard the Gaelic and the, mm-hmm. just the. And you were only in your early twenties then. I mid well, I early early twenties. I mid twenty five. But the the rhythms of Gaelic are just so stunningly beautiful. I'm not a Gaelic speaker, but I just uh, found the, just the rhythms and the music of the poetry really really wonderful. That's why I kind of sometimes sing quite a lot of my poems. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously there's a close relationship between mm-hmm. music and poetry and mm-hmm. the rhythm of voice, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is always mm-hmm. worth considering when you're... Yeah, when you're, uh, yeah so you're, you're we, I was asking you, your wee poem that was really a kind of what one that you did like that, I am so hungry well, I could eat a deep fried, fried duck, duck. Uh, and that was quite I, desperate I, I, stuff, quite a bit poverty really. Aye. Do you want me to sing? Ah, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> the song of the deep fried dog. I don't uh-huh. know if I can remember it. I'm just going to battle try. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry I could eat a deep fried dog. Deep fried dog. I'm so hungry I could eat a deep fried dog. Deep fried dog. It's my west of Scotland. Working class poverty narrative. And I hope that you don't think me too pejorative when I say that the upper classes here are much too greedy with their brats and private schools they're also needy while our wins love white bread and food bank beans our obese, diabetic future does not gleam. I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry I could eat a deep fried dog, deep fried dog. I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry I could eat a deep fried dog. Oh, that's so sad too, isn't it? I. Well, I mean, I was—I mean, I was just utterly shocked when I found that there was such a thing as food banks. You know, mm-hmm. when the first, I suppose, about ten years ago, mm-hmm. now was the first time I ever noticed it. But mm-hmm. I just thought, what? you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was um, there's a a guy tweets a lot about it, um, about what the best things to take and so on. And I remember um, the first time I saw this thing, if you're taking tins make them ring pool because some people want to eat them there and then. Bloody hell, because they're so hungry. Yes, uh-huh. and I thought, oh, that's the point, that is it? just so... Um, 
So it's unbelievable that, that we don't have a proper state-funded welfare system that mm. you know feeds people. Uh-huh. There's no social security now. No, no, really, no such thing. No, really. no. It's totally under attack. You know, it's, and you go to allegedly jump through all these hoops. You know, if you're five minutes late for an appointment, they suspend you for your benefits. I know. And all that. I, mean, I know. What, the, what is that? You know, I bet you. You know, any British politician that's been five minutes late for any appointment <laughs> has never had any sanctions taken no, against them, no. you know. So if it's no good enough for them, it's no, no good enough for us. You know? Exactly. And all the um, the lords going along for a wee snooze and getting 300 quid a day. No, yeah. it's a... It's when I wouldn't mind a joke like that. <laughs> <laughs> But you'd probably be doing something, you'd probably be writing some poetry or something. I used to be this, uh, when, you mind when this kind of controversial statue was at the yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Argyle uh, Street, mm-hmm. the bottom of Buchanan Street, was it? Anyway, uh, somebody had spray-painted workers' power mm-hmm. on the plinth there, but some wag had came up and inserted the word lazy up above it, so it said lazy workers' power. <laughs> and I thought, that's really brilliant, you know, because <laughs> you don't have to work too hard and you can have power. It's at that point. We know I'm about that. If that went for everybody, wouldn't the world be a much more fun place? Well, you've not got any shortage of inspiration for your poems, that's for, for sure. You know, there's so much, so much going on. But so, listen, Jim, that, that, thanks very much for reading as well. I mean, people really enjoy that. You know, to um, it's good talking about it, but it's better to hear. I'm really pleased to uh, chit chat with you, Pat, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't often get a chance to talk to you at length, you know, because <laughs> usually we're at events. Well, that's right. And, and it's, it's no, mm-hmm. you know, you're, li- you're listening and you. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to you for about five minutes mm-hmm. and you don't get a chance to talk right. for, yeah. for any length of time. So it was really great. Thanks well, a lot. Thank you. Thanks very much, Jim. And good luck with the poor, poor virus. That's the end of another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Jim. And I'll catch you the next time. Bye for now.